Liz Lamping here, PHRA's Executive Director. Welcome to PHRA's podcast, P4, People, Purpose, Passion, Pittsburgh. P4 is brought to you by our members and sponsors, Lattice and the University of Pittsburgh Executive MBA Programs and Center for Executive Education. We appreciate their support and we'll hear from them throughout the podcast, beginning with the University of Pittsburgh Executive MBA Programs and the Center for Executive Education. Especially in times of uncertainty and challenge, America needs exceptional leaders to guide our healthcare institutions. The highly ranked executive MBA in healthcare at the Joseph M. Katz Graduate School of Business at the University of Pittsburgh is designed to empower and enable leaders to think critically, make informed decisions, and inspire confidence. Forge your path into healthcare innovation by visiting business.pit.edu slash EMBA healthcare. In episode three, Pete Tram, P4 host, founder of Lattice, and Dave Baker, founder, president, and CEO of Human Capital Advisors, will discuss the power of connection and how onboarding is one of the most important responsibilities in the field of human capital management. Good morning, Dave. Excited to learn more about your background today, and thanks again for joining us on uh, this P4 podcast. So, Dave Baker, who are you? Where'd you come from, and what are you all about? Pete, good to be here. Uh, it's kind of interesting how I actually got involved in in uh, the world of human resources. When I was in college, my original degree was in psychology, and uh, I did an internship uh, at uh, a mental health facility where I was uh, near where I was going to school. And after about three weeks, I thought to myself, well, "I can't do this the rest of my life." And I went back to our career center. And I uh, found out what all those things I could potentially do with a degree in psychology. And uh, they recommended I pick up a degree in industrial relations. And I did that uh, and, you know, became pretty good friends with the person from the career center. And she said, you know, one of the things that will really help you if you go out and get some experience, uh, uh, maybe an internship in the world of human resources. So I, I applied to every single uh, organization uh, in La Trobe or Greensburg. I went to school at St. Vincent's College, and uh, one of those individuals picked me up as an unpaid intern uh, for 20 hours a week for the last semester of my senior year, and um, that actually started everything. So uh, it was it was a tremendous opportunity. Uh, that individual's name was Marty Unger. Uh, he became one of my mentors, and. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that uh, uh, in a moment, but that's actually how my career got started. And uh, it was just one of those wonderful kind of introductions to the world of, of human resources that, quite honestly, uh, I have loved every minute of uh, throughout my entire career. So uh, the fire drills and all. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, it's kind of interesting because. Uh, the, uh, the one piece of advice uh, that Marty gave me, which actually I kept with me my entire life, was uh, you should do what no one else wants to do. And as a result of that, you'll make a name for yourself. And then he gave me this really garbage project. <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh, my, uh, is, this how, is this how it really works in the, in the professional world? And uh, so I took on that project 
and uh, I was with the Carborundum Company at the time. That's that's where I started, and uh, they had me uh, fly to their corporate headquarters to do a presentation on that project. And eventually, I took on uh, two other projects that nobody else had touched around the rest of the country, and off my career went. Uh, kind of kind of fun uh, the way that whole thing got started. Um, I. Uh, I didn't want to live in Niagara Falls. That's where our corporate headquarters was. So I ended up uh, getting hired by a Swiss aerospace firm called Contreras Gertz um, here in, uh, in Pittsburgh and was with them here uh, as an HR representative for a couple of years. And I got transferred to Charlotte, North Carolina uh, as their HR manager for, for a couple of years. And they sold the plant down there uh, back in um, in '87, and I got uh, made a connection with a with a good friend of mine who's a headhunter, and uh, she said, "Hey, they've got this. Uh, they've got a new opening with uh, uh, an organization in Pittsburgh. You probably know of called WQED, and uh, they've never had an HR person, but they're looking to hire one. and And I thought, oh my, you know, this is Marty's." Marty's sage advice coming, you know, true. And I, I went up and, and interviewed with, uh, with uh, Lloyd Kaiser, who was the CEO, and Tom Skinner, who was the, the executive vice president. And, and they uh, both said to me, well, Dave, you know, you, you built this HR department down in Charlotte, North Carolina. You think you could do it here? And I said, oh, I'm sure I could do it. I said, uh, well, what do you have in place? And they said, nothing. And I said, what do you mean you have nothing? So this is a big place, right? They've got two TV stations, a radio station. They published the City Magazine. And they did all these national productions, right? Mr. Rogers, National Geographic Specials, Infinite Voyage. They were the, the national seed for the National Literacy Project. They had 1,100 employees. And I said, oh, my. I thought to myself, well, maybe I'm getting myself in trouble here, right? So I took the, took the responsibility. Um, and you know, the, I remember the very first day meeting with Lloyd Kaiser and Tom, and and uh, they, I said, "So where do you want me to start?" They said, "We don't know. This is you. This is all about you." And I went, "Like I have a complete blank slate." And they said, "Blank slate. Go run at it." So I uh, I spent eight years there building uh, building out literally their entire infrastructure, all all the great things that we've done there. And uh, so that was the that was kind of the pivotal moment that started my career. Got recruited out of there to go to a company in Minneapolis called ADC Telecommunications, much much larger, uh, twenty seven thousand employees. Uh, again, the same thing. I, I assumed responsibility for an operation in Pittsburgh, uh, and. Uh, after a year of turning that operation around, uh, their corporate headquarters said, well, you did such a great job. Can you take over Dallas, Meriden, Connecticut, and our engineering center in, in Minneapolis? And I thought to myself, well, your corporate headquarters is in Minneapolis. Why am I taking that over? <laughs> so I, uh, I assumed responsibility for all three of those. Again, back to Marty Younger's original piece of advice, do what no one else wants to do, and uh, built built that out quite a quite a bit, which was a, a tremendous amount of fun. And then um, in 2001, I got recruited uh, to become uh, the very first partner for one of the largest venture capital firms in the entire country, uh, Adams Capital Management. Uh, had about a billion dollars under management, and they only did uh, software development 
of firms and semiconductor firms and had operations in uh, Austin, Texas, um, in Palo Alto, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston, and their corporate headquarters was here in Swiftly. And when the partners met with me the very first time, they said, look, Dave, there are, there are 635 venture capital firms that exist in this country. 12 of them have tried this model. And I said, okay, it's kind of interesting. And, and uh, Joel Adams, who's the founding uh, and managing partner of the firm said, uh, Dave, you know, with all due respect, you know, this is an experiment for us. We're gonna try this. And if it doesn't work in a year, you're gone. And I said, again, thinking back to Marty's original sage advice, do what no one else wants to do. I thought, well, this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a real test of it, right? And uh, so I, I said, you know, with all due respect, Joel, I'm willing to take that, that risk for you. And I think you're gonna be surprised at what we do. And uh, so I, I took the job. Uh, I ended up building uh, the HR departments for 37 different companies that we owned. We were the, the uh, lead investor, which meant that we owned at least 51% of each of the companies that, that we invested in. And so my responsibility was to build the HR departments in all of those companies, <clears throat> as well as to uh, lead a internal within the firm executive search practice, where we would go out and hire the CEOs, the chief technology officers, chief financial officers, any of the any of the C-suite or VP level positions within the portfolio companies. And which was a huge, uh, think about it, you're serving 37 different companies. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty intense uh, uh, amount of work. And uh, the, we established and continued to improve upon all of our methods in both the executive search practice as well as in the HR practice. And uh, in 2007, um, I went to my partners and I said, you know, we could, we could make a lot of money doing this for other companies other than just our 37 that we serve. And uh, they said, Dave, with all due respect, we're a software and semiconductor investor. You know, we don't, this whole human capital thing, that's you. And, you know, I, I kind of got the entrepreneurial bug at that moment because as I'm sitting there and I'm I, literally every week we would see a new investor, a new uh, entrepreneur come through our doors and they had all these incredibly neat ideas, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm now there over six years and watching all these just incredible thought provoking and innovative ideas that, that these folks were doing. And I started penciling down, well, if I was going to do what I do out there in the world, what would it be like? What would, it, what would that model look like? And I kept, you know, kept modifying, you know, the script, if you will, for, for uh, what that would be. And I, I went back to them and I pitched them again at the end of uh, 2007. And they said, Dave, look, if you want to, if you really want to do that, we get it, right? I mean, because that's so we that we live with entrepreneurs, with uh, entrepreneurs, with these innovators, right? Uh, and it was the first time I had ever heard, uh, you know, the the phrase that 
uh, you know, the, the, what venture capitalists do is they invest in future where uh, a lot of people, you know, are uh, investing in things that people know of. And as a result, it typically, you know, they're proven methodologies. And in the world of venture capital, that's not the case, right? They're dealing with things that, you know, no one has ever thought of before. And banking on the fact that, you know, they they will hit upon something that's just so innovative and so creative that it'll make a, a huge difference. Uh, and so uh, my idea was, you know, really kind of pushing the envelope as far as what we were doing, uh, because you have executive search firms and you have human resource consulting firms, but you don't have them typically combined together. And so uh, so I, I said to them, guys, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. And I, I really want to try and give it a chance. So they said, Dave, that'd be great. So uh, on a Friday in February of 2008, uh, I was a partner uh, at the venture capital firm. And on Monday, I launched Human Capital Advisors and they became my first client. So uh, it was a really nice way to transition into you know the, my own world of entrepreneurship. And we were off and running, so that's how uh, that's how Human Capital Advisors came into to uh, being, and uh, we we've been improving upon all those methods that we created back there in the venture capital firm ever since. So, wow, we're going to dig into HC Advisors a little bit more, uh, but the experience across aerospace, TV, radio, engineering, and, and VC, you've done a lot. And I think you'll share a little bit more about uh, some of how you began sharing this information, right, from the book and what you shared at the, the HR Academy. Uh, so we'll dig into that a little bit more. Dave, take me back to kind of what uh, fueled uh, this, this interest. Did you play sports? Were you a traveler? Uh, did that feed into this affinity of HR and, and people at all? Is there some background in that? It did. Uh, actually, uh, the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, I've, I've always had, I've never been a, a, a great athlete, but a, a decent athlete all the way through high school. And uh, one of my interests was to eventually go off and play college soccer. Well, we didn't have soccer at my high school. And so I remember working out uh, between my, and literally had never really played organized soccer ever in my entire life. So I, uh, I remember working out during the summer, hoping that I was going to be able to make the team at St. Vincent's. And all I wanted to do was get on the team. I wasn't sure I was ever going to play, but I wanted to get on the team. So I did this crazy workout schedule uh, that entire summer for the for three months, and uh, went out, uh, you know, tried out for the team, made the team, and uh, lo and behold, you know, the the coach is getting ready to announce the the starting lineup for the for the very first game of my freshman year, right? And, you know, he calls out all the players and says, uh, Baker, you're going to go right halfback. And I was like, okay, well, I know the right side of the field is over on this side. <laughs> and I think I know what the players are supposed to do, but I'll kind of fake it until I make it. And so uh, so I, I started that very first game. I played every minute of every game all four years and became captain my senior year. And that team because most of the sports I'd played in high school were individual. I was a cross-country runner, I was a track runner, you know, those were individual individual performances. This is my chance to really work with a bunch of other players. So that connection, that being part of a team and working with other individuals and understanding your role in sports 
really made a huge difference for me is wanting to be involved in the, you know, something professionally in the world of, of human resources. And that's why it actually worked so well at making that transition. So it's fun. So I, I, I love it. Dave, one of the questions I wanted to ask you today is kind of around current events and what's what's happening. And I think your uh, take on it, given the kind of dual purpose uh, HC Advisors shop that you put together, what's the biggest trend that's impacting uh, HR today? Uh, the, well, by far and away, the biggest trend today is is uh, talent acquisition. Uh, the you know there's a I made a mention of this in the in the academy presentation last week. Uh, you know the the biggest uh, challenge that every employer this is every every employer in the entire country is experiencing is the lack of talent or the lack of available talent and especially skilled talent or experienced talent to fill the positions that you have. And part of that is the fact that there's a huge gap in the total number of individuals available between the baby boomer generation, which I'm a part of, and Gen X, which is right behind us. There's, there's almost 17 million people fewer in Gen X than there is in the, the boomer generation. And so there's nothing you can do to fill 17 million. Now, of course, that's 17 million total people, not all those people are employees, but a good 8 million of those individuals are absolutely employees. And you can't replace eight million, an absence of eight million people, and you know contribute that to the fact that more than four and a half million boomers that they did not anticipate were going to retire retired as a result of of the pandemic. Now you've got this perfect storm, and so every employer is now experiencing a, a major challenge of trying to to acquire talent and you know literally develop new innovative quick training programs in order to get people up to speed with learning how to do certain things. The, the heavy uh, skilled trades, technical, uh, technical uh, challenges within the engineering fields, uh, accounting, you know, all, those, all those professions that require a lot of uh, literally training, uh, med school, for example, uh, you know, those are professions that are in dire need of talent to, to fill lots of, of opportunities. So the talent acquisition is by far and away the most difficult uh, area that exists right now in human resources. So how can we, uh, if we, we take Marty's, Marty's advice, right? You should do what no one else wants to do and you're gonna make a name for yourself. Uh, I think there's gotta be some, uh, you know, people out there that are really trying to uh, solve, uh, you know, this, this talent crisis, right? I've heard it called the great resignation or the turnover tsunami, the great attrition. There's a bunch of names out there. Uh, and so while we, you know, keep trying to figure out how to address uh, this problem, I want to talk about that, that mentorship piece a little bit more. So you mentioned Marty, and even in this conversation, talking about your background, uh, he's come up a couple of different times. So was that one mentor that you had throughout the entirety? Do you still stay in touch? Uh, did you have multiple mentors? How'd you get it started? Uh, just dig into the, 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 the mentorship uh, puzzle uh, for us a little, little bit more from your perspective. Yeah, actually, uh, I've had several uh, mentors in my career. Uh, the second probably most influential individual was Don Korb. Uh, he was the retired treasurer of uh, Westinghouse. And he happened to be on the board at WQED. 
Uh, and he and I got to be really good friends because the, the former CEO and executive vice president retired and he took an interim position for about a little over a year. So he and I got to be really close during that time. And his uh, advice and counsel was just extraordinary. Uh, when I went to ADC Telecommunications, uh, I went to work for a guy by the name of Jeff Lynn. And I had the exact same experience with him when I walked in the door there. And, and uh, he said, look, Dave, I was, I was the VP of marketing before you came on board. So you know, I, I'm now the, the president of this division, but I don't know anything about human resources. So this is all on you, <laughs> right? So, so take, take responsibility and run with it. So Jeff was a tremendous uh, uh, mentor to me as well. The one that was probably the most uh, influential, both professionally and, and, and personally, was uh, Mr. Fred Rogers, uh, you know, the Fred Rogers. And, you know, working uh, in the same building as him and getting the chance to meet him, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, just running into him in the halls and getting a chance to watch his live productions was a, was a great uh, thrill for me. And... Uh, I eventually, you know, because of what he did and, you know, how he mentored children and all the programs that he had created, I, I thought, boy, it would be really neat to kind of uh, understand kind of how he actually took these very, very difficult things, very, very difficult topics uh, and kind of made them simple for people to understand. And so had the chance to develop that relationship with Fred. And I would tell you that that of all the individuals who've mentored me, that's the one that I, I value and cherish the most. Uh, he's made the biggest influence on me, both professionally and personally. How'd you get things started with uh, somebody like a, a Mr. Rogers? You know, it's almost like the, the celebrity uh, that's, that's in your office and maybe, you know, you're, you're a little bit nervous to, to have a conversation or say hi, uh, you know, but how'd you kick things off and kind of wh where was that foundation, uh, you know, laid? Well, it was kind of interesting because we uh, we both came into work uh, the same same morning one time. We're both getting on the elevator. And it's just him and me, right? And he looked at me and he said, uh, "You must be the new HR guy." <laughs> I said, uh, "I am." And uh, he said, uh, "You know, if you wouldn't mind, I, I'd like to meet you." And he goes, "Why don't you stop down sometime when you have a have a minute to to uh, you know to say hello?" And I thought to myself, "Geez, Fred Rogers." world known I you know I, what am I going to say to this guy right so uh, and I did I took the opportunity to go down and meet with him and uh, we had a really really good and honest discussion and he said hey you know if you ever get a chance again I'd love to talk to you again and you know, so I made a point of it of trying to meet with him about once a quarter um, not you know no, you know nothing with a formal agenda just you know I would walk in and you know, say, you know, hey, I'm dealing with such and such, you know, you know, if you were dealing with something like this, what would it be, right? And, you know, he was, you know, although obviously his, his profession wasn't human resources, it was people, and especially, you know, how to deal with uh, difficult people, larger you know, adult challenges with little people, right? You know, children. And um, so that wisdom that he had created uh, during that time uh, was was actually very profound to me. And I took that same approach because a lot of times we all think everybody knows what we know, right? And as a result of that, we, you know, we, we 
uh, approach things you know from our own uh, center of, of uh, experience and he never did that he always assumed that people didn't understand all the aspects of things that they were dealing with and as a result try to make it simpler for people to understand and and i took that to heart and even today you know when i'm meeting with with individuals you know i never make the assumption that everybody knows what i'm about to do right i try to say okay so well these are how all the pieces are going to go together so that you know and then we architect those pieces in order to that they work most effectively inside the organizations that we serve. So, so Dave, you mentioned a couple of times whenever you came into new roles and there's this theme of uh, fake it till you make it, but you went around and you were asking different questions and learning and meeting new people to truly understand what needed to be accomplished. And of course, this takes a little bit of uh, you know understanding people but also understanding what to do. We're going to talk a little bit more about the what to do, but I want to dig deeper on the the how to do it. You know, Mr. Rogers being such a great people person, you being in HR is a lot about, uh, you know, people and interacting with others, the psychology background as well. So, you know, whenever we think EQ, IQ, emotional intelligence, uh, you know, I think we might've already heard of some of the individuals that really had a high EQ, um, but is there, you know, kind of one or two tidbits that they shared with you uh, or somebody that kind of took it to the next level? Maybe that is, uh, you know, Fred, Fred Rogers. But, you know, dig into that uh, piece of emotional intelligence for us a little bit more. Yeah, that, well, you know, it's, you, you learn over years uh, to, to value certain tidbits of advice that people have given you. And, and uh, I don't know who said it. I, I should do some research on this. But you know, uh, I, I heard once that uh, the good Lord made us uh, with two ears and one mouth, and we should use them in proportion to the numbers that they were given to us by. And so uh, one of the most valuable things is actually the ability to listen and listen actively. Uh, I think that skill set has really been invaluable to me, especially as a consultant, because you never know what you're going to deal with. And especially in the world of human resources, right? We do a lot of employee investigations and there's all kinds of things that, that people assume that they know and understand and you typically don't. So listening and, and having a, a, an extremely high level of curiosity and interest in other people is also a skill set that they don't tell you about in the world of human resources. But you know, they, I remember um, one of the very first people, the uh, HR people that I interfaced with, um, a coworker of mine at Contravis. So this is back in 81, 82. Uh, uh, she said, you know, I would love being in human resources if it wasn't for the people. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, what are you doing in this profession? And, and I, I always thought to myself, boy, I really hope that never, I never get that jaundice about, you know, what I do for a living because boy, wouldn't this be miserable if that's the way I approached uh, my profession. And so, you know, that curiosity, that interest in other people, that willingness to listen, um, I think really does make a huge difference. And today, for example, you know, uh, the, the ability to establish rapport with other individuals uh, is, a, is a soft skill that uh, is kind of undervalued in the field of human resources. Uh, and you know, when you start to think about dealing with individuals, you, know, you sometimes think about the message that the people are going to receive from you, right? Whether that's in verbal or in writing, 
any of the programs that you typically give, you know, that that kind of understanding of, you know, who's your audience, who are the people you're interfacing with, but that curiosity of making sure, boy, I should really make sure that I know all about this particular topic before I make presentation of it, because otherwise, you know, it's going to come across as empty and people are going to know that, you know, you're faking it. And, and so I've always been very cautious of that to, to research uh, uh, a lot of different things in the field that we're in. I read about an hour a day uh, in the field of human resources, and I probably should spend two or three hours a day because I you know, sometimes feel like I'm falling behind uh, in our field because it moves so quickly. And I think that uh, allows me to have a little bit of a competitive edge because I do love this field and I'm, I'm constantly trying to get better every single day. So it's, it's, I, I just love it. So two ears and one mouth, listen more <laughs> and, and speak less. I think uh, what's Hamilton. I think there, there's a line in the Hamilton musical where he says that, but uh, two ears, one mouth on the other P4 uh, podcast episode, there's this guy, John Poutier, uh, who you might, you might know him. Uh, he said the same thing, right? We need yep. to listen more. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. it's, it's no. almost as if the two of you uh, may have worked together a little bit or something. <laughs> a little bit about programming. Uh, and you talk about the, the need for, how did you put it? Uh, the lack of available skilled, experienced talent. Okay, so once we find all those folks, they got to come into these organizations and get up and running. And you've done this multiple, multiple times. Uh, well, I guess it's now dozens of organizations all across the country and all around the world. But let's dig in more on onboarding. So over the last couple of years, the world has changed. Um, how has the onboarding process changed? Uh, do you think there's you know, things that have gotten better? Uh, any tips for hybrid or remote onboarding uh, while we're, we're in these interesting times? And then after this, we're going to dig into some, uh, you know, rapid fire questions. But talk to us, Dave, about onboarding. Well, I, I would say that onboarding is one of the most important things that we all can do uh, in the field of human capital, human resources today. And the reason is uh, statistics and, and research will tell you that uh, a really good onboarding program improves the retention of individuals by a factor of 2x, two times uh, the normal uh, retention of individuals. So uh, onboarding isn't uh, orientation. It's not uh, insurance forms and introductions and finding where the, where the restrooms are in the building. It's really trying to make sure that individuals uh, are, are developing relationships with their coworkers, that they're being mentored by other individuals, that they're really starting to understand the full role and responsibility of what they're doing inside the organization. Uh, the best onboarding programs that exist last about a year. And it's meant you know, to, to have programming specifically created in order to integrate those people into every aspect of the organization and every member of their team uh, as much as possible. And so now all of a sudden, you know, if an individual is potentially being recruited away to go to another organization, they say to themselves, I, I like it here. I like the people I'm working with. I like what I do. They've really spent a lot of time with me. They cared about me, right? And part of that nurturing kind of natural experience that you have from the field of human resources makes that, that connectivity really, really important as those people continue to, to kind of grow and develop roots uh, within the organization. Uh, I think that's more important than anything else. The hybrid world is, is uh, a new and interesting dynamic 
uh, you'll, you'll find that research today will tell you that, that a lot of hybrid employees, those who work from home a lot, feel disconnected. And so having programs you know, in order to have those individuals interface you know, in a group setting, uh, you know, regular meetings with individuals, you know, having the, the, the opportunity to really uh, feel connected with individuals, including now, you know, getting the chance to meet outside of, you know, their normal job responsibilities and me personally is again, another way to, to increase that, that retention aspect of the onboarding methods, right? And, you know, again, this is new space, you know, we would have never thought of hybrid employees, you know, two years ago, right? Uh, but it's something that's evolving. And I think that it's going to continue because a lot of employees like that method, the ability to work from home. And so employers have got to be uh, innovative and creative in order to continue to move that forward. So one of the other episodes, somebody mentioned the golden role being uh, treat others uh, as you would want to be treated and the platinum role being uh, to treat others as they would want to be treated. And I think it makes, you know, all the more importance now uh, when we're in this, you know, age of employee choice and the era of, of work from anywhere uh, during this, this talent, uh, you know, crisis. So very, very interesting. And we'll, we'll ask a little bit more uh, of where we can get more information and tidbits. Dave, in that, uh, the Everything HR Toolkit, uh, is there anything in there that might talk about some, some onboarding programs? Uh, or if we wanted to, to learn a little bit more, maybe uh, kind of guide us on some of the best practices that you've developed? Actually, uh, when John Putzi and I wrote the book, uh, we dedicated one entire chapter just to onboarding, specifically because of the fact that that's really what we believe is the cement that keeps the, the employees feeling as part of the organization going forward. So there's an entire set of, of uh, tools and techniques that we have written in there. Uh, probably much too much to get involved in with us uh, here today, but uh, it's a it's a really really good chapter. Uh, you know, and you know, quite honestly, when you start to think about you know those uh, the the uh, connectivity, the the golden role, if you will, uh, as you said, Pete, is probably one of those things that you really we should all personalize in our professional lives uh, and uh, make that part of our, our credo, if you will, going forward. Yeah. Dave, this is uh, fun. And I've you know had the pleasure of getting to, to meet you over these last few months. And every time we talk, I, I learn a little bit more. You ready for a little rapid fire now? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Dave, think of uh, two or three resources uh, in HR. You said you spend an hour reading a day. If I want to go here, 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 where are those three resources? Yeah, I, I can tell you right now, the, the two people that I'm reading a lot about are uh, Simon Sinek, uh, uh, Leaders Eat, Eat Last. Uh, I, I'm reading that again for the second time. I, I, I think that there's, there's a tremendous amount of wisdom that Simon uh, has out there, and, and so I, I can't consume enough of his of his content. Uh, and Jordan Peterson uh, is another individual who, uh, who who ultimately is a psychologist uh, back to my roots. Uh, but he wrote uh, the Twelve Rules for Life. Uh, I'm reading reading that as we speak. Some of it's a little a little heady, but uh, the, some of that material makes such total common sense to those of us in leadership roles, especially in business today. And uh, so those are the two uh, kind of resources that I'm turning to right now. 
uh, kind of a little bit one-off in the world of, of human resources. They brought all the things on HR metrics and analytics and tools and, and all the rest of that. Uh, so it's a little more esoteric than, than um, might otherwise be, but uh, the, the, our field you know, requires us to be really, really good at what we do. Um, you know, the, uh, the becoming, and I, and I made mention of this before, um, uh, I recommend, quite honestly, that one of the great skills of, of, uh, in the field of human resources to become an executive coach, right? Uh, and executive coaching is listening to other individuals and interfacing with them and trying to help understand not only where they are, but how they move from where they are today to where they could be tomorrow, right? You know, all of us have runoff strategic plans, right? And strategic plans are, you know, this is where we are today. We've done our SWOT analysis. And now you're trying to say, okay, so where are you going to be tomorrow? So taking that executive coaching from a personal perspective and applying it in a human resource capacity will really improve those overall human resource skills going forward. So that one additional skill set, I think, was really important to, to most of us in our field, what we do in human resources. You just answered one of the other questions I was going to ask is if you could say, hey, go back and tell your younger self to get one skill uh, a, a little bit sooner. Okay, so to become an executive coach uh, in HR, very, very interesting. Um, cool. Dave, this has been a lot of fun. We look forward to hearing more uh, from you and reading more about HC Advisors and you being more involved in the PHRA community. So thank you again uh, for your time on the P4 podcast today. Uh, we're gonna you know, get some more of those uh, data points that you shared earlier uh, and put those into the notes so everybody can uh, be able to read and follow and links to some more of that uh, very helpful uh, information uh, that you shared with us. But from aerospace to TV to radio, uh, to engineering and the venture world, uh, we got to hear about your take on people engagement and the power of you know connections and being real and how to listen uh, and, and really meet them where they are to help solve this problem uh, of figuring out where is that talent, bringing them in, the right people in, but then getting them up and running over that 12 year, or sorry, 12 month, one year onboarding orientation that is ongoing. It's not one and done. Uh, and it's so cool. Dave, thank you so much. Any last uh, pieces to share with the community? Now, Pete, the, you know, the only other thing I would say, quite honestly, is that you know, the, the tools that you all are creating at Lattice uh, to, to get people engaged and, and to understand uh, mentoring and actually how to, to uh, increase the overall connectivity of, of individuals, those tools that you all are creating within the Lattice organization are, I believe, paramount to you know the success of human resource professionals, right? And so you know it's a it's a, the way, quite honestly, to make human connections uh, on a very common, regular basis. You can use it in professional development. You can use it in performance management. You can use it on all kinds of different areas. Uh, so you know I, I would recommend that you know from your perspective, you keep that up and you keep moving that forward uh, and. Now, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get a chance to see a new version of uh, you know, the Everything HR kit, uh, and, and we'll see where that hopefully takes us. Uh, uh, if we can combine some of the things that you've done and some of the things that we're doing, 
uh, I think that ultimately that would be a, a huge success for all of us in, in the world of human resources. So I appreciate what you're doing. So thank you. And thank you for the opportunity to, to speak with everybody today. In a world where businesses are coming to terms with the demands of employee choice, solutions to improve workplace culture are crucial. Businesses of all sizes are doing everything they can to attract and retain top talent during this unprecedented time. Connection to the team, a sense of belonging, and a feeling of purpose rank high in the needs of today's work-from-anywhere society. Sound familiar? At Lattice, we understand the importance team-building and positive employee-employer relationships have on the success of a workplace. Done well? Top-down and peer-to-peer knowledge sharing can unlock new levels of productivity and profitability to create a culture of cohesive collaboration. Ongoing high-quality connections reduce burnout and mitigate mental health issues, more important now than ever with social isolation on the rise. Lattice is a tool to make internal employee engagement easier and much more impactful for the entire organization. Lattice is a proven, secure workplace solution that is easy to implement for organizations of all sizes. So what are you waiting for? Let's Lattice. The PHRA P4 podcast was created to help build HR readers through discussions with thought and business leaders on the most critical success factor of any business, its people. If you enjoy an episode, please help us spread the word by subscribing to the podcast and providing us a rating. We would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode, tag PHRA, and share it with your followers. Until next time, thank you for watching and thank you for listening.